Tim Harris. I am pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. If you are joining us by audio, video podcast, or if you're in the cafe, God bless you guys. Worship together with us. I uh, mean, I couldn't wait to get to church today because I remember Mother's Day. Y'all remember Mother's Day? Pulled up at church. You could see the Ferris wheel from across the Woodburn, you know. Courtyard had donuts piled up on the tables. It was all about mothers, right? Y'all remember that? So today is... Father, I was looking forward to it on Mother's Day. Y'all had breakfast in the courtyard. Y'all had Taylor Swift with live music on the lawn. You had pony rides and cotton candy. Today, dads, what do we get? Nothing. 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 Empty courtyard mocking all of our hard work. Absolutely. Father's Day happy. I mean, they could have put a box of Pop-Tarts on the table out there. Something for us. But uh, anyway, happy Father's Day, guys. That that goes with it. Love to uh, continue a little bit of what we started last week, a sermon series, a little series called Hot Potatoes, talking about topics that are difficult uh, in some ways for the, for the congregation to take on. And today I want to talk about alcohol. So let's, let's jump right in. Uh, I want to play a game with you. We haven't done this in a while. I want to play a game. I'm going to go through a number of uh, morally questionable kinds of issues. I want you to tell me whether you think it's right or wrong. I'm not asking you to tell me whether or not you do this. This is it. Like never have I ever confession, but I'm going to say something. When I, when I say it, you tell me if it's right, if it's wrong. Okay. Thumbs up. Practice with me. Everybody thumbs up. If it's right, thumbs down, if it's wrong. And then if it's really just kind of iffy, just do this. Okay. Like, I don't know Iffy's he's like, okay, I don't know. All right. So give me the sign for right. Okay. Wrong. And iffy. Okay? All right, here we go. All right? We'll practice. The first one's a giveaway. This is easy. Telling a lie. That is wrong. Okay? It's wrong. Why? Yeah, because God says it's wrong. It's in the Ten Commandments. That's wrong. That's an easy one. Okay? The rest won't be so easy. Telling a lie to save a friend's feelings. Is that right, wrong, or iffy? Come on. Y'all got to play. Get your hands up. All right? All right, now you're, now you're not so sure, okay? Using your neighbor's Wi-Fi. It's going to be a long sermon today, y'all. Getting a tattoo. Y'all aren't even voting. Come on, getting a tattoo, right? Wrong, iffy. All right, yeah, all right. Peeing in the pool. Yeah. <laughs> Those of you with pools should be looking closely at the ones doing this. <laughs> yeah, well, it depends on how bad, you know. Uh, sneaking food into the movie theater. All right, missing church to go to work. Y'all got to vote. You got to play. Come on. Is that right? Wrong. Missing church to go to work. Missing church to go to the lake. Yeah. All right. Secretly snooping on your kid's phone. Yeah. Yeah. Secretly snooping on your spouse's phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saying cuss words. Thinking cuss words. Yeah. 
That's my wife. Casey says she only cusses in her head. So, so, so I don't even know what she's thinking half the time. I, I don't want to know. Using someone else's Netflix account. Wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I opened an iPad on a house one day. I thought, we got Netflix. <laughs> and then I left. So, wait, we don't have Netflix. And it was like Wade had signed on with one of his roommates in Campbellsville. And that guy lived in Alaska now, you know? So, like, he's in Alaska, all of, all of Campbellsville. So, he's a Netflix account. Yeah. Smoking tobacco. Come on, y'all play. Y'all play. Chewing tobacco. Raising tobacco. And nobody wants to vote anymore. <laughs> Paying for water but getting a soft drink. Yeah, man, now y'all getting mad at me. Yeah. Overeating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, I know. Honestly, when is something to be called a sin? Who gets to say? Because some of you are like, you know, and some of you are like, yeah, who gets to say? Because honestly, honestly, the, the answer to that is something is a sin when God calls it a sin. Something is a sin when God calls it a, a sin. And, and the Bible is God's word. I, I said this last week. I, I preach and all I have to preach is God's word. And, and sometimes, honestly, I would love to say more than the Bible says, but I'm not allowed to say more than the Bible says. Nobody gets to do that. It's a sin when God calls it a sin. So for the most part, there are lots and lots of things. I would say most everything in our lives, we can have a definite word. We know without a shadow of a doubt whether or not something is a sin because the Bible clearly says whether or not it's a sin. And if it's in God's word, then there's no debate. There's just no debate. If God forbids it in the word, then, then it's forbidden for all of us everywhere at all times and all places. You understand? There's no wiggle room. There's no debate when God's word is clear. But sometimes, just sometimes, God's word is not as clear as we think. Or people of good faith and goodwill read the Bible and come out with, with, with different conclusions. And that brings me to the topic of alcohol. I want us to talk about alcohol today. Now, when I grew up, I'm 53. When I grew up in Baptist churches, honestly, in our churches, there wasn't any questions allowed because our preacher preached against drinking. We were teetotalers, it, 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 it's called, which means we teetotally, we did not drink at all. And to this day, I, I do not drink at all. I, I don't drink, so know that up front. I'm sort of on that side. I was raised, I've always been taught that drinking is a sin, and so therefore, I, I, I don't. But it took me a while to understand that not everybody agrees with that. I mean, there are other Christian denominations that don't have that tradition, and it's perfectly permissible. Uh, Catholics, Methodists, but nearly everybody but Baptist, I guess, it, 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 it's considered more permissible. There are churches that will raise money for the building fund by having a wine tasting. Some of y'all are wanting to move your membership, like right now. Like, what, what church is that? Yeah. And the rest of us are going, you know, what? Mind blown. What? You know, how do they do that? How do they justify that? So, is it okay for a Christian to drink? Some of us are going to say no. Some of us are going to say yes. But what does God's word say? Let's take a look at that together. Now, uh, let's just make it really, really clear. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 gives us one of the clearest references. And this is more or less the, the witness of scripture. And what does it say? Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
So it's very, very clear, don't be drunk. Don't be drunk. And throughout Scripture, drunkenness is forbidden. So that's not debatable. If you drink and get drunk, if you drink to excess, if you drink and get buzzed, did you understand? That is a sin. Drunkenness is a sin. It's clearly a sin. That part is not debatable. So the big college party where everybody just drinks to get drunk, understand that is a sin. Because the Bible forbids, in no uncertain terms, drunkenness. So it is a sin, and it is always a sin to drink to the point where you no longer can stand up. You understand? That is a sin, and that is foolish. It will ruin your life. You should understand that. That that much is clear. But then instantly some of you can say, well, Pastor Tim, I don't get drunk. I, I, I never get drunk. I enjoy a glass of wine with dinner or I'll take a beer sometimes after I mow the yard, but I've never really drank more than one or two. I, I never really am impaired. I'm not drunk. I don't drink to get drunk. In my family, we've always drank a little bit of wine and I've never seen my parents drunk. I mean, some of you would say that we drink in moderation. That, that's the phrase for that. And, and we never get drunk. Is that a sin? Is that a sin? And honestly, in Scripture, I would have to say no. Moderate drinking is not forbidden in Scripture. Now, it was forbidden in the church where I grew up, but that's not exactly the same thing as being forbidden in Scripture. Every third grade kid in Sunday school has actually raised the question, well, Jesus drank. I mean, did you not say that at some point in your life? Jesus drank wine. And there are actually whole denominations that will say, no, he drank grape juice. It's like, what? I mean, what? You really think this means don't be drunk with grape juice? I mean, nobody gets drunk with grape juice. Jesus drank wine. He, he did drink wine. And Jesus was never drunk. He, he never, never disobeyed God's word. But, but Jesus did drink wine. Of, of course he did. Culturally, they did. At the Lord's Supper, Jesus took the cup of wine. He didn't take the cup of grape juice. I mean, understand that. It was cultural, and, and, and Jesus did. But what does that mean for us today? And how do we make sense of this? Because we're not going to agree. We're not all going to agree. So how do you handle very, very important, and this is a very important moral issue. I don't think this is a side issue for many of us. How do you deal with it when the Bible doesn't necessarily give a clear word that we can all walk out with and know what the rule is? Well, let's look to God's word. Romans chapter 14 is where I want to take you today because Paul addresses this kind of issue. Now, he will mention drinking in this particular passage, but it's actually about more than that because there are many, many issues like this in our day, but also in Paul's day. Now, just so you know, as we read, in Paul's day, the big issue was not alcohol, it was meat. In Paul's day, meat was what would split the church. It was meat that people really disagreed on for the simple reason that in the Roman Empire, the only place to buy meat would be at a pagan temple. Pagan worship services would involve the sacrifice of animals. And in the Roman Empire, it was very, very rare for anybody to have their own animals. Most, most of the farms belonged to the, to the emperor. And so all of the animals were brought in. They would be slaughtered in, in the context of an idol's worship. And then they'd be sold at the back door at the meat market. And the Christians understood that you really couldn't find any, any sort of serving of meat that had not been associated with the worship of an idol, with, with, with pagan worship. And many Christians said, we can't eat that. We can't touch meat that's been in any association with pagan worship. But other Christians said, what are you talking about? It's a steak. 
I'm not worshiping an idol. I'm just eating a hot dog. It is spam, people. It's just, you know, don't be having a cow. It's just meat. Now, that's funny. I didn't mean to say that, but, you know, that cow thing. That's weird. So you'll hear Paul mentioning meat because that was what was dividing people more so than anything else. But the principles that Paul uses apply to nearly any one of these questions where we can't necessarily agree. So let's look at it. Romans chapter 14. I'm going to read the whole chapter because it all matters. Let's, let's look at it together. Romans chapter 14, verse 1. Just watch how Paul does this. Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval in the same way. Some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. Watch this. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be Lord both of the living and of the dead. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it's wrong, then for that person, it is wrong. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you're not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but, but it, it is wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they decided is right. But, but if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, 
You're sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you're not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you're sinning. Interesting. It's really not the way we approach issues in ourselves. It's, and it ought to be because for Paul, this is basic Christian life. This is just how Christians get along in the world. But let's take a look. As, as I said, whenever the Bible doesn't have a, a clear word, and I know for some of you say, well, it does have a clear word. Pastor Timothy says right there, don't be drunk. I, I know, I, I know, I know where you're coming from, but, but understand there are other places where scripture clearly permits drinking in moderation. Paul tells Timothy, hey, take a little wine for the sake of your stomach. I mean, Paul seemed to see some benefits in moderate drinking. And so again, I know it's very, very difficult. And right now, everyone with children is thinking, Pastor Tim, stop, stop, you know, because, because we're very concerned about young people growing up with alcohol. So let me say something to young people and children. Number one, it's against the law for you. It's against the law. The, the law clearly forbids underage drinking. So if you're not old enough, then it's a sin for you. It's a sin. You have to obey the law of the land. Number two, if your parents have taught you not to drink, it's a sin to disobey your parents. So, so there, boom, boom, okay? Don't. <laughs> If you're a kid, you can't. It is a sin for you. If you're underage, it's a sin. It's always a sin for you. And if your parents have told you no, then it's a sin to disobey your parents. There's no question here when you're underage. I'm not talking about that. I'm not giving teenagers permission to drink. You can't. You understand? But I'm talking about adults. I'm talking about adult believers. And how it is that some of us have such a strong opinion about this, but our opinions can differ. And how do we get along in the midst of this kind of disagreement? Well, a couple of principles. The first one, which is hard for some of us, is right there in verse 1, where Paul says, don't argue. Don't argue. Just don't. We don't argue. We don't set up arguments. But, but then, let's go into some of Paul's main principles. I, I love this one. Paul says, others answer to God, not to you. He says it very, very plainly. Look at verse 12. Each of us will give a personal account to the pastor. No, no. It's just between you and God. This is not an issue between you and me. Yeah, and the way things work, yesterday we had a reception for our son Wade and his new wife Marty. We had it here at the church. I had Cheney's Dairy Barn come up with their moo wagon. It's called, the, it's an ice cream truck, you know, and there were free ice cream for everybody. And I said, do I need to pick flavors? And Cheney said, no, we'll just bring 10 or 12 of our most popular flavors. So, we got to the party and people were there and Cheney's pulled in and somebody said, is the ice cream truck open? I said, yeah, help yourself. You know, go out there, anything you want. And they said, Pastor Tim, you think they got that bourbon crunch? I thought, Lord, I hope not. Good night. <laughs> bourbon crunch, the pastor, you know, and his wife are throwing the party. Bourbon, is, is there bourbon? I didn't know there was bourbon crunch. Ice cream, but that's the first question. You think they got bourbon crunch? I said, well, I'm sure they don't. And I thought, oh no. So I went out there, <laughs> you know, top 10 flavors. What's number three? Bourbon crunch. And then Franziska comes up. I can smell it on her breath already. She is just <laughs> eating bourbon crunch. Yeah, she's German, y'all, so she can do it. She's just eating bourbon <laughs> crunch ice cream before long. The whole blame church eating bourbon crunch ice cream. Getting it out of your system before I preach at you today. No, 
Understand, that's not about me. That is, it's not something between you and me. I understand what the Bible says. Now, I, I, I'll say it again. I don't drink. So I'm not, I'm not going to join you. And honestly, my conscience is so sensitive on this issue, I won't eat bourbon crunch ice cream. I know you're thinking, okay, Pastor Tim, you're just crazy. You're just crazy. Nobody's getting drunk on bourbon crunch ice cream. Although, friends, this was walking a little funny. <laughs> walking out. My, sen- my conscience is really sensitive. You all, I-, I grew up with an alcoholic grandfather who got sober and so when I was a little boy, I loved to spend the night with, with my grandpa on Saturday nights. And you know where he went every single Saturday night? To his meeting. Now, I didn't know what his meeting was for a long, long time. It was in a church basement. I just thought he went to church on Saturday like I went to church on Sunday. But it's an AA meeting. I grew up every Saturday night in AA meetings with my grandfather. Now, for a long time, I I knew that the men sat out here around the tables and they told stories in quiet voices with tears, old men telling horrible stories, and their wives were in the kitchen with cake. And so I would go back and forth between the men and the women, but I used to sit and listen to those men tell stories, horrible stories about their life of addiction to alcohol. I I think it affects me. I, I know that there's alcohol in my family. I've heard stories of my great-grandfather who would get drunk and drag his wife, my great-grandmother, down the street by the hair. So I have a conscience that is very sensitive, and it comes from that past, from from that history. But I recognize that not all of you have that. So I may preach your wedding, and you may serve alcohol at the wedding. And I'm telling you, that's not forbidden in Scripture. And you don't answer to me, you answer to God. So it's long as people aren't getting drunk, I, I don't have anything to say about that. I'll, I'll, I'll preach your wedding. I'll go. I, I won't drink. You may. Under certain circumstances, I don't think you're sinning. But, but understand, others don't answer to God. I mean, they answer to God and not to you. So you and I have to get this straight. You, you don't get to forbid what God doesn't forbid. You just don't get to do that. And on the same token, you don't get to permit what God doesn't permit. We, we, we don't. God is God, and God will say whether or not something is a sin. And, and I don't get to add to that. Now, there are things I really don't like. And there are things that some of you don't like. But just because you don't like it, that doesn't mean that you get to call it sin. And it doesn't mean you get to walk around and forbid the world from doing things you don't like. If God doesn't forbid it, then you can't forbid it. And people aren't going to answer to you for it. There are lots of customs, old customs in, 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 in our culture. Some of these things are good. Some of these things are bad. Holding the door open for ladies, that, that sort of thing. Walking around, opening the door for your wife. You know, and these days it's just boop, boop, you know, and she's in. I mean, there are things change. Uh, in the old days, you know, men wearing hats inside. I mean, we just want to make very, very important issues about things. And some of us feel strongly about things that are cultural and traditional, but we can't call sin things that God doesn't call sin. Like I say, I feel strongly about alcohol for myself, but but I can't forbid that in every situation for everybody else. I, I, I just can't. Others answer to God, not to you, and nobody's allowed to forbid or allow what God has not forbidden or allowed. This is what Paul is saying. Now, the interesting thing that Paul says, I think, is right there in verse five, and it's really pretty amazing because this is counterintuitive for us. 
Paul says in the same way, and now he's taking up the example of, of again, remember that the, the, the Christians who came from a Jewish background would want to worship on the Sabbath, and that would be what, what day? Saturday. But, but then the Christians who came in and didn't have that Jewish background, they wanted to worship on Resurrection Day, which was Sunday. Jesus was raised on the third day on Sunday. And so there was an issue in the early church about which day is right. And people would split churches over, is it Saturday or Sunday? So Paul saying in verse five, in the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced. What? You should be fully convinced. In other words, Paul's principle here is that you and I can disagree and both be right. That's what Paul says. You know, two Christians can have two different opinions and Paul says, okay, you can both be right. Don't argue. You don't have to try to convince each other. You certainly can't look down on one another. I can't think, man, you're just a baby on this, man. Get over yourself. It's a beer. I I can't look down on you like that. At the same way, I can't condemn you. I I can't say, listen, you can't drink that beer. I'm not allowed to do that. You and I can disagree, but we can both be right. We can leave each other alone. Now, again, how does this work? What's the principle here? Well, the principle is how we decide for ourselves, how we reach these conclusions on our own. And, And this is important. I know that Jiminy Cricket told you to let your conscience be your guide, okay? But Jiminy Cricket didn't know what he was talking about. We're not talking about following your conscience here because we're believers and we don't trust our conscience. Now listen to me. I I do believe that there is an inward voice, an inward guide for me to, to discern what's right and wrong in my own heart. But it's not my conscience. Remember, I told you my conscience on this issue is very sensitive very sensitive. If I get daiquiri ice ice cream at Baskin Robbins, I pray to Jesus for forgiveness. I feel guilty about that. But you all say, what are you feeling guilty for, Pastor Tim? That's not a sin. And I understand it's not a sin, but my conscience is still really sensitive there. So I have this conscience, and honestly, it's not just that. I have a conscience that's very, very, in some ways, overactive. I feel guilty about things that aren't even sin. I feel guilty about things that, you know, that, that aren't even questionable. My conscience just condemns me sometimes. And I'm telling you, I, I can't always trust it. It's not a reliable guide. Now, by the same token, some of you don't feel guilty for nothing. You don't feel guilty for nothing. I mean, you're just ripping through life. And, and if your conscience is your guide, man, you'd be robbing liquor stores and everything else because you don't feel guilty. You don't do guilt. You don't ever feel wrong. You don't admit that you're wrong. If you like it, it must be good, and you have it. And this is what I'm saying. Paul is not saying that everyone follows their conscience. Your conscience may be poorly trained, and your conscience is not reliable. So what is it inside of me that is my guide that is 100% perfectly reliable in every situation? What is in me that's going to guide me into right and wrong and it's not my conscience? What is it? The Holy Spirit. Exactly. It is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit convicts me of sin. The Gospel of John talks about this as one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in my heart will convict me when I'm sinning. And I'm going to follow the Spirit. 
And as I grow more and more like Christ, that Holy Spirit becomes stronger and stronger. And my ability to discern what he's telling me and my ability and faithfulness to follow him becomes deeper and deeper. So in the Christian life, it is the Holy Spirit that is our God. And the Holy Spirit is in me and the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer, is in you. And that's why I don't necessarily have to convince you of what's right and wrong. I have to trust the Holy Spirit in your life. I'm not the Holy Spirit for you. And that's why you don't answer to me because I am not the Holy Spirit in your life. You have the Holy Spirit. And if you're not going to listen to the Holy Spirit, you're not going to listen to me either. It's the Holy Spirit in your life that you follow. So this is what Paul means when he says in verse 23, you must follow your convictions. It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that's not the same thing as just letting your conscience be your guide. This is a living, breathing, dynamic relationship with the living Spirit of God in me. Y'all understand that? Does that make sense? So here's the thing. And this is what Paul says. The Spirit can lead us differently in certain situations. Now, let me say it again. Most moral issues are clear. I'm not saying there aren't any rules. I'm not saying it's just, you know, like, like the Wild West out here. No. The Holy Spirit is never going to go against the, the truth of God's Word. The Holy Spirit's never going to lead me into sin. But when there are issues like this that are just sort of disputable between Christians, I've got to follow the Holy Spirit in me. And the Holy Spirit may lead me in a different way than he leads you. And this is what Paul says. You can both be fully convinced in your own mind. You can disagree with one another and both of you still be right because the Holy Spirit may lead us differently. As I say, when it comes to alcohol, I don't drink. I don't drink. And honestly, it comes down to what it says here, this other principle I find at the end of the chapter. Verse 23. If you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you're sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you're not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you're sinning. All right? And that's why I don't drink because I always have that sense of I'm not sure if this is right or not. It may be okay, but it doesn't feel okay for me. And Paul's principle is when in doubt, don't. If you believe it's wrong, then it is wrong. Don't do it. And that's why we may sometimes disagree and it it might be a sin for me and it might not be a sin for you. But but I don't answer to you and you don't answer to me here. I've got to just let the Holy Spirit guide you. And the Holy Spirit may lead us differently. Now, why would he do that? Because when the Holy Spirit leads me, he leads me with full knowledge of God's purposes and God's plan for my life. I'm in a very different situation than you are and you are from me. And so the Holy Spirit guides us with perfect wisdom. Some of us do have alcoholism in our family. There may be a genetic predisposition to addiction and you would be a fool for drinking. You'd be a fool. And the Holy Spirit, therefore, may set that boundary for you. And you may know good and well that when you get close to it, that's wrong for you. You do not cross that line when the Holy Spirit draws it. It doesn't matter who else tells you. You know it's okay. You know the Bible doesn't forbid it. If the Holy Spirit says no in your heart, then you're sinning if you go against the Spirit. Understand? And that's my situation. That line is drawn in my life by the Spirit. I I sin if I cross it. When in doubt, you just don't. If there's any question about your situation or where you are, or whether or not this is wise, Paul says, if you're questioning, just don't. Don't. Th- that's wisdom. J- just don't. 
But this isn't his biggest principle. And and this is where it gets really, really important. Uh, Paul goes on to say, if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you're not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. What Paul's saying here becomes a very important principle. And understand how beautiful this is. You must consider how your actions may affect other people. In other words, when you're deciding whether something is right or wrong, your first question is not, what do I think about it? How do I feel? Do do I feel guilty about it? I don't feel guilty, so it must be right for me. No, that's not how we live. Because I'm not just living for myself. It's not just about me. I am in Christ. And because I'm in Christ and you're in Christ, you and I are connected. And therefore, I always must consider my obligation to love other people more than I love myself. So for Paul, the guiding principle comes down to love. So I have to ask myself how my actions, how my decision about alcohol will affect other people. They'll say, well, Pastor Tim, my wife and I just sometimes drink wine at the table in our own home. Okay, well, honestly, I can't say there's anything wrong with that. If the Holy Spirit doesn't convict you, you're drinking wine as an adult in your own home. I can't imagine that that's forbidden in Scripture. But in love, and please don't unfollow me now on Facebook, but but in love, when you post a picture of yourself drinking wine on Facebook in your own home, all of a sudden that's public. All of a sudden you're not just in your home anymore you got 3,000 people following you on Facebook, and some of those are kids from this church and, and, and parents from this church who worry about what their kids think when they see you drinking wine in your own home. And you understand, social media changes this for a lot of us because you don't keep things private anymore. What you do goes out there, and you don't think about who sees that. And you ever wonder if... If, if you're drinking wine in your own home freely with no conviction, do you ever wonder how that affects those who may see you on social media and, and they may battle addiction? You know, honestly, that's one of the reasons I choose to say no to alcohol. Why I feel like it's so important. I, I preach on Fridays to the men at Hope House and Program Living. These, these guys, their lives have been wrecked by addiction. And I know how relapse works for them. The devil just whispers in their ear and says, you know, you could just have one. You could just have a beer. You could have one beer. You could just have one glass. But the problem is for these guys, and I love them. They're my my friends. It can't ever just be one for them. It can't ever just be one. If they drink one, they're gone. So I, I think of them. Not just that, y'all, I'm, I'm your pastor, and I will always keep your secrets. I'll never stand up here and, and, and tell your private stuff, but, but y'all understand, it may be once a week when I'm involved in your lives, and, and something blows up in your life, and I can't tell you how many times alcohol is at least a factor. So even some of you in this house, and again, I'm not, I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want to forbid what God doesn't forbid. But, but some of you, I think you're deceiving yourselves because you live like this is neutral in your life. And it's not neutral. You drink too much. It's not just that you like a, a little bit of wine at dinner. You're drinking too much. And it is hurting your family. It's hurting you. 
And I wouldn't be a good pastor if I didn't at least ask you to consider that your drinking is a lot more than you make it sound like it is. Again, within certain boundaries, it's not forbidden in Scripture, but some of you are not living in those boundaries, and you know that. You have a problem. And I can't stand here and act like it's okay. You've got to consider how your actions will affect other people. I mean, I remember watching high school friends at parties drink. And back then, it didn't seem real. You know, we're kids, and, and uh, we shouldn't have been doing it. It was wrong, all of that. I didn't drink in high school, but others did. And I remember my 10-year reunion. <laughs> and at 10-year reunion, most everybody's moved on in their lives. And most everybody else is, you know, married and starting to advance, but... I remember this table of guys at my tenure reunion that were back there. And you know what? They were the same guys that always drank too much in high school. Same guys that always drank and got loud and stupid, you know, and start singing and dancing and taking their shirt down, just stupid drunk. And in high school, it seemed funny. At the tenure reunion, it just seemed sad. Some of those same guys, you you, you understand? And then the 25-year reunion, I mean, you understand? I'm seeing people now that didn't move past it. I mean, those first drinks that they took with friends in high school, those drinks were, were a step down a path that would cost them everything in their lives. Y'all live long enough to know the truth of what I'm saying? I mean, some people do. They, just, they, they drink in moderation, and, and it's never a problem. But, y'all, there are people that it's a real problem. And some of the people in this room, it's a problem for you. I don't want anything I do to, to cause another person to stumble and fall. And this is what Paul says. And you don't really know. I mean, it's not a sin for you, and it feels fine for you, but you don't know what it is in somebody else's life. It might be a sin for them. That's what Paul says. If they believe it's wrong, then it is a sin for them. And it may not be for you, but, but you can't let your freedom in Christ to do what doesn't feel wrong for you. You can't let your freedom cause other people to wander into something that the Spirit would mark off off limits for them. You have to consider how your actions affect other people. So the bottom line is, y'all, we're free in Christ. I don't want to be in a church where the Pharisees win. I don't want to be the pastor that's wagging his finger, you know, at you doing what the Bible doesn't forbid you from doing. But at the very same time, understand how freedom works. As I say, I don't drink. I, I, I don't drink. I think there are situations when I could probably take a, a taste of alcohol and it wouldn't be a sin, but I still don't do it. But I don't do it because I don't feel free. I know I'm free to do it. I understand my freedom in Christ. I'm not living a life that's just surrounded by rules. The Holy Spirit doesn't fence me in like that. I'm free. But at the same time, I live my life by a higher standard than just my freedom. I don't just do all the things I'm free to do. I make decisions based on love. Not just am I free, does it feel wrong for me, but, but is this good for other people? Well, what I'm doing, is it the best way to love other people? And, and the bottom line is, according to Paul, you choose love over freedom every single time. You choose love. You consider how your actions affect other people, and then you make your decisions based on love. Because love is the highest principle. Freedom is awesome. But freedom isn't the highest thing you live your life by. And this very freedom can quickly lead some of you into slavery and addiction. So watch it. Freedom's not the highest thing. Love is the highest thing. So you know what? 
In some ways, those like me who don't drink, we're the freest people in the room because I'm free to drink. I'm also free not to. Some of you aren't free not to. You're so worried about what people think. You're so worried if you don't offer, you know, alcohol at your little party that people think it's a poopy little party, you know? You know, you're crazy. This is crazy. You can be free to do it, but you can be free not to do it. And, and that is the ultimate kind of freedom. It's that freedom in Christ. We're not going necessarily to agree on this in every situation. The situations that Scripture addresses, there's no question, y'all. There's no debate there, but this is a different kind of question. Scripture does not forbid moderate drinking of alcohol. You're not sinning if you do. But you're also not sinning if you don't. Those of us like me who who feel strongly about not drinking, it is a sin for us to condemn others who do. We can't do that. You don't get to wag your finger. You don't get to condemn. You don't get to do that because the Bible doesn't do that. Man, I'd like to do that sometimes. We can't do that. We don't get to condemn people. That's clear. And those of you who are free to drink and, and you, you know it's not a sin for you and, and the Holy Spirit doesn't convict you, you're not allowed to look down on people like me and think, well, he's just, you know, he's just funny about that. No, no. Respect the Spirit in my life and I'll respect the Spirit in your life. And together we can live in love and, and we can manage to uh, make our way through difficult questions like this. But we always have to love each other. So what Paul says is, you know, this whole kingdom of God thing, it is really not about what you eat and what you drink. Bottom line, it's not about that. It's, it's about love. And this just you and all the other issues. Let's just try through the spirit of Christ to love each other and everybody else very, very well. Because what we do, it ultimately affects others. Amen. Pray with me. Jesus, I thank you for all the things that you have made. All kinds of food and all kinds of drink, Lord, that we can enjoy. Lord, it is you who created wine. You created it, Lord, with benefits. And it seems, Lord, to help some people really celebrate. And Jesus, at the wedding at Cana, you blessed that. So, Lord, I'm not able, and nobody else is able now to go back and forbid what you have actually blessed. But Lord, help us still to be very, very sensitive to your spirit in our lives so that we don't just simply try to rationalize the things that we just want to do anyway. Help us to be careful. Help us to walk and live carefully. Our lives before others, Lord, it's not about what other people think. It's not about trying to make other people think well of us, Lord. It's just about trying to make sure that our lives always point to you in a way that doesn't confuse people, that doesn't discourage people or cause them to fall and stumble. We just want other people, Lord, to see you and walk to you, Lord, without stumbling blocks. So, Lord, don't let us put the stumbling block in the path of another brother or sister. 
I do pray for young people in this congregation, Lord. I really do, Lord, fear for their lives. Lord, I worry about the choices many of them make related to drugs and alcohol. Lord, they feel like as long as their parents don't find out that somehow, Lord, what they're doing is allowed. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll protect them. I pray that you'll make them wise beyond their years. I pray that you will make them able to stand strong in situations, Lord, where other young people are weak. And God, help us as a church. Help us not to condemn one another. Help us not to look down on one another, Lord. Help us to stand strong on all of the places where Scripture lets us stand strong. But, Lord, let us live with a lot of grace in all of the areas, Lord, where your Holy Spirit gives us grace and freedom. We pray these things in the name of Jesus who sets us free and teaches us to love. Amen.